0: Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Today, we're joined by Joe Rocky Jr. uh, out of Pittsburgh and not Philadelphia, uh, (laughs) and excited for him to share a little bit about his experience, uh, his journey, and uh, some of the insights he has with us today. So, uh, Joe, you mind introducing yourself to the audience?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I have done a lot of things and a lot of different perspectives. And probably every time I write a bio, it's a little bit different. But the long story short here is I started by knowing sales. I started by knowing how the world works, essentially by putting myself out there that if I didn't succeed, I didn't get anything. I started life as an all or nothing sales commission agent. And um, coming out of college, I got the degree in accounting and finance because I know at the end of the day, that theory doesn't pay for anything. It's all skills-based. And when I was in college, I looked around and said, I can get a lot of skills, and a lot of things, but what is something that will make me always hireable? Companies need to know where their money is. That's basically what accounting is. They need to know how to get more of it. That's basically what finance is. And so is sales. So with the work experience and the working knowledge of that, I did that. Um, I ended up falling into coming, or I ended up retiring over time, graduating during the last recession that we had. And the accounting positions that were offered me got taken off the table before the end of the semester, actually. And I ended up working for a life insurance company where I sold life insurance and annuities. First year, I was rookie of the year. Second year, I was underclassman of the year. Third year, I left. Went to go start my own first business at that point. I was What twenty five ish something like that? Um, Started the first business then was real estate business. Since then, they have all the real estate business have grown and flourished. We're over eleven years later of that. So I'm in the minority of someone who's built a business from scratch and had it live over a decade. Um, And since then, I've done a lot of other things. I created the Father and Joe podcast in 2017. I created the local football flavor show on YouTube, which is currently the fastest growing football show on YouTube. That started on week one of this football season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've done a lot. And I'm sure I'm missing about three other things just in that description. But as a quick starting point, that's kind of how I got here and at least what I remember that I did.
0: What uh, what inspired you to go start on your own? Was that something you knew you kind of always wanted to do? Or uh, was it just the circumstances of the job market at the time? Or how did you determine like... Hey, I'm done with this corporate, uh, what companies need, and I've got the skill set to give them versus uh, going and creating and building on your own. Well, there's
1: a lot to that answer. Um, first and foremost, I knew that I wanted to make residual income. And in 2011, there wasn't really a lot of different options the way that there are now, at least. Like that nowadays you can make subscription-based products that people are used to buying. Like almost every web editing product I have is a subscription service where I'm paying someone on a monthly basis, Netflix, YouTube, you know, all of those things you pay monthly that didn't exist then. Basically then the only subscription things you had were your utilities and your rent dash mortgage. Well, I didn't have enough money to start a bank, so that was off the table, and I wasn't going to go buy Duquesne Light or any other utility. So becoming a landlord was the way that I saw in doing that, and I actually started by doing the flips. So the revenue stream cycle is what I wanted. The other part of it was I thought that's what I had by selling the life insurance annuities. That's what I was promised. I'm a little upset at myself in retrospect that it took me three years to actually read the contract I signed where my residual rate was 0.1%. And for those people who don't do a lot of math out there, 0.1% means I'd have to work for a 1,000 years to get one year's worth of income. So obviously that wasn't gonna work once I sat down and figure that out. Um, and then it just became looking at the resource I accumulated from selling all this life insurance and annuities, I put it into the first flip, knowing that flips are how you build capital very quickly in the real estate game, popped a couple of them off and had that first rental business built really within the first year, the first 2012 is when I started the first rental. Yeah. So yeah, within the first year. So that was the whole game plan was get to the rentals, get to the rentals. And while balancing the fact that we need to get chunks of cash in the door so that we can make the rentals actually grow. That's that was the real cash flow analysis of how we got into the beginning of that game.
0: So if rentals were the goal, why'd you start with flips, right? Because flips are more appreciation, quick hits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh as opposed to the residual. So what Uh, that's a big risk to go into something you might not have background in, I would imagine, but uh, I had no background in it. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. There you go. Uh I I was 25
1: and I knew how to sell that. That was what I was. So really at the end of the day, I kind of looked at it like this was if I've completely failed, I can always go and sell something else. So at least I know that I, I took a swing at it. Um, at that point, you know, I was single. I could do whatever I wanted, essentially. Um, but the, the, you are correct. The rentals, That they don't pay a lot immediately. They they don't pay. No individual rental property would have paid enough to get the next one, which was the real problem. For a bank to look at me when I was only commission based, only um, I was going really through my first rental. They weren't saying, they weren't lining up to get me loans at that time. I needed essentially self finance. And the way that I did that was doing the flips. When I completed a flip of a high-end house, I had enough money to go then buy two mid to low-tier houses, which is where you make much more profit margin on rentals. So that's what I did. And then once I had a couple of them built up, a bank would look at me and go, okay, on a monthly just rental company-only status, we're willing to start giving you loans now and refinancing some of these. You also got to remember that was in 2011. In 2009, they just deleted their books because of landlords screwing them over. No one really wanted to give loans to landlords, um, especially ones that didn't have a track record. Um, so that it was kind of doing the flips because we had to. And to me, it was the most effective toll that I had at my disposal.
0: So in your analysis at the time, the biggest way to get the biggest pop in a short period of time was essentially a fix and flip.
1: Yeah. Either that or going on a roulette table. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like right I red. could control it more. Uh, why roulette? Uh, I actually give a speech about why roulette. <laughs> it's just one of the talks I give nowadays. I guess I forgot to say that in my opening thing. But at any rate, um, roulette is the only game in a casino that the dealers actually can control. And there's a lot more I can get into with that. But every other game in the casino is controlled by a machine shuffling of the cards. And the dealer is essentially a robot at that point. They can't affect anything. Even craps? Well, craps, you're betting on a stranger you never met before. And I have no idea <laughs> if you're talented or not. I do know the guy who's doing the roulette 40 hours a week. He has talent behind it and there's motivations about why he has talent behind
0: it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so as you started to build the business and you yeah. got to the point where you had profitability and you know you were building a rental portfolio and you were using your sales skills what was your strategic framework in terms of what to do next, or at what point was enough enough of the rental and looking at something different? Because you've got several businesses now, you've got different mm-hmm. ventures, right? At, at what point do you start something new versus reinvest in the existing versus take money off the table? of, How did you think about that?
1: Well, basically, all it was, it was all reinvesting until I was told I was not essential. Um, I just kept going and going and going until Governor Wolf declared that. Um, in the beginning of COVID. So that was that I did start the father and Joe podcast in 17. um, But that's not a a for profit venture. That was just to do something that to give back essentially. And I used my time and the ability to communicate is that, but as far as the money reinvesting, it almost all went back into into the real estate markets in one capacity or another. Um, That was, that was the plan. And with, you know, COVID setting on, and the fact that I can read the recession room very clearly. There's no need, you know, there's no intelligent need to buy real estate now from an investment standpoint when I know I can buy six times as much if I just wait. So I'm not the kind of person to sit around and do nothing. So that's where I've been creating new businesses on the in between. Um, but from a real estate platform, th- there's no reason to run out. To buy a piece of property that's going to be broken when everything in Home Depot is too expensive. All of the labor market thinks they should be paid more than they should be because that's what they got paid not to work. And not to mention, every single person selling their house thinks that it's worth more than it is because there was no competition for them to fight because we weren't allowed to do flips for the last three years. So you add that all up. I know it's going to change. I know it's going to change very ugly. And I will go from being the evil person who's not offering enough money to the person that they can't wait to talk to. So I'm just going to wait. And in the meantime, I'm going to do other things that are fun. Um, and that's basically what I've been doing.
0: So why, why real estate? It sounds like real estate is kind of the first uh, venture that you went into with the flips. Uh, it sounds like that's your primary bread and butter it is, yeah. uh, where your focus is and obviously there's a lull and so you're looking at some other things volatility coming mm-hmm. but uh i guess why do you believe in real estate as the thing that you know is the best driver of that passive income
1: well like i said when i started it was the only option <laughs> at least the only realistic option i saw so it when it's the only option it's the only option <laughs> so that that was where i started and then once i was in that once i was in it you know i you know, five years of doing it, constantly reinvesting my money. I am kind of committed. So I, I could obviously liquidate the portfolio at any point. Um, and if I was going to do it, now is not the time, especially in Pennsylvania, uh, because kicking out someone else's tenant is ridiculously hard under normal circumstances, let alone the uh, covid post-COVID court system we're dealing with now. So, um, so right now, effectively, I'm, I'm stuck with it. Uh, for better or worse and for the most part better but it it just is what it is so i'm not worried about the markets dipping out or anything like that because i'm not planning on liquidating the properties anyway i'm just going to get a new tenant whenever i can finally get rid of the ones i have what you we know where the case may be
0: as you look back it was the only option at the time what would you have done differently Knowing what you know now, uh, if you were to go back to that time period,
1: if all of the same options of today existed then, I probably would have been. I probably would have done something that I would have been able to control more directly over, and didn't need to hire as many people. Because in the beginning, I was very bad at the management skill of the crews, um, because it, it's such a different world when you go from dealing with. Selling life insurance to doctors and attorneys to then dealing with contractors. Um, it, it's it's a completely different economic side of the fence um, in a lot of different ways from what they desire out of life, from the, how they expect to be paid, the frequency of them being paid, so on and so forth. So had all of the options that exist today been around then? At least me being aware of them, because maybe they were—I don't even know—but um, I probably would have gone down the road of finding one of these companies that essentially build a platform that you spend a monthly basis upon to be there. You know, probably a business-to-business type one, like these companies that specializes in like SEO management or you know any graphic design, internet-based company type stuff. That's probably a direction I would have gone. I am very fascinated about buying the machine that mines for me for the cryptos um i have not fully jumped into that i have been doing a lot of research and i'm really considering pulling the trigger on that Um, but i just haven't yet for 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 lack of a better way of putting it um so that if that existed then i probably would have actually that would have been the answer because then i could just have had a machine in my basement that essentially was printing me money and all I had to do was keep the lights on, which I'm really good at. So I think that that probably had I known that exists, had that really been a thing um, back in '11, I probably would just have a bunch of servers in my basement, and that's what I would be doing.
0: Was that a skill set that you learned along the way, or are you just uh, similar to real estate, knew nothing but saw the trends and would just jump in and learn what you needed to be successful?
1: Basically, the second one. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, th- th- that's essentially the answer there. I, I know how to manage people. I know how to sell. Basically, everything else is a subset of that. And what you actually are selling doesn't really matter once you're good at it. You know, at the end of the day, I could go sell a Ford. I can go sell a house. I can go sell a BMW, a Boeing. It doesn't matter. You name it, I can sell it. I know how to do that. Um, it's do I want to represent this company or this product? That's why I've built my own product. That's one of the other reasons I liked about the real estate world. I controlled my product. Um, that was part of the reason I got out when I did with the company I was at. Um, they weren't letting me control the product. And I didn't like the concept of if I met you today, I didn't get to sell you something as good as had I met you seven months ago. And that just didn't sit good with me. Um, so, at the end of the day, Looking at all of those types of factors, I like being able to know I have the skill set that I can go back to really control my own destiny. And to me, that's the freedom of knowing you can sell. And only a, a true salesman has that has that freedom. Cause I also can do it anywhere. Anywhere they speak English, at least.
0: <laughs> well, you could just go figure it out. It's just another thing to challenge you, Joe. That's
1: true, but there's no way I'm speaking Mandarin fast. <laughs> I, I, don't have enough, I don't have enough desire, I guess, to do that.
0: That's fair. What's uh, what's the most exciting thing that you're looking at or investing in today?
1: Well, I'm, I am going to build. It, it, it's, it's a financing thing we're getting around, but I'm going to build what I believe will be the greatest indoor water park of all time with a hotel around it. Um, the hotel is, you know, the, the real estate element of it, uh, because so many people build a hotel and then they don't, they expect outside people to have the draws to make people want to come to them. And I look at it as that is just a flawed premise. Like why not have yourself be the draw? And then you're the most convenient option to the draw. You're actually giving a win-win upon yourself in terms of, pricing and, you know, people pay more for convenience. And if I literally can go in the balcony of my room and look at the world's greatest indoor water slide, that's pretty cool. I'll probably pay extra for that. Um, mean, you know, if I'm if I'm coming to Pittsburgh to, you know, watch a Steelers game and I live in Chicago and the Bears are in town, maybe I'll bring the whole family just instead of me and we'll stay an extra day. Well, these are all advantages that, you know, a random hotel wouldn't have. So that is a multi, multi-million dollar project um, that, that that's uh, a big one going on. But that is, that's what's on my immediate um, horizon here in terms of the big, big things.
0: Is that just an evolution of kind of your real estate uh, exposure and uh, aptitude to get to just bigger projects? Or is there something about this? You know the hospitality event, uh, unique kind of space that's drawing you to it. Well, I love hosting.
1: It's just a starting point in my personal life. Um, I, 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 th- this is going to be like a Vegas-style hotel. This isn't going to be just a you know oh there's a big oversized pole with some slides in it. This is this is going to be huge, and, and I also envision it having a, a large commercial component to it and. I have a number of businesses that continually pop in my head on the creative side. Um, And and part of this is because I am so tired of waiting for Martin to make the next book of game of Thrones that I need to just create something, the equivalent of it. Um, But I also know that I don't have enough time myself to flat out write one, but if I put, you know, 28 competitive people in a room, I can get a really good universe created. Um, at least that's that's my my mindset of how to look at because I know how to hire people. I, I I know what to do with that. So that's one of the many businesses I would stick inside there. Not to mention we'd rent it out to you know the other universal people who would just want to be in that kind of complex, you know, the Starbucks of the world and whoever else wants to pay too much rent to be in a really popular place.
0: If you were going to give one piece of advice to the entrepreneur who's reaching this point, right, they've got some profitability that's coming in and whether it was kind of doing what you did and starting in flips or doing something else, where would you recommend they start uh, in terms of trying to figure out how to create this residual income, as you call it?
1: Yeah. um, Well, there's two different answers to that. It's two different sides, but it's very important you, you get both sides of your house correct on this. You first have to know yourself. Um, I mean, let's be flat out. There's a segment of us out there who just build things uh, just to see if we can, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. When it works, it's awesome. But it's also the same kind of person that there's also the other kind of person that if they would lose everything, they're literally going to be destroyed in their soul um, versus someone who can shake it off. Uh, You need to know who you are and, and you need to know who are you bringing around you in your life. Because if you're this way, so many of us end up marrying people who are the opposites of us. Will the other side be able to handle if we go into a venture like that? And I can tell you, being a financial advisor as well as just living life, the number one way to destroy your business and or your life is to get a divorce. And that this conversation of building an empire and risking it either on yourself or as your spouse would think, throwing it away on toys, um, if it leads down a road that's not gonna lead to to that side of your life being successful and happy, anything else I tell you doesn't matter because you will be effectively putting a time bomb in the foundation of your structure. So you have to make sure that your own personality and the personality of your spouse and those who are most important around you It all lines up. So unfortunately, even though you created this great thing, it's no longer just yours, whether you realize it or not. And that would really be the starting point, what I would tell a stranger who's starting to make some money, what to look at. Um, Because if not, you end up being 40 years old with nothing, even though you knew how to make the greatest thing ever. And there's nothing more depressing than that.
0: How do you pressure test that? Right. So uh, I people do Pardon? I look at people who did it. Okay. How does that help you? Because I, I think what you're communicating, right, is you need to make sure the foundation, particularly with the spouse and the family is strong, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so looking at people who did it, how does that help pressure test your relationship with, you know, your girlfriend, right? Because when you're single, right, as you started. Or yeah, you
1: have- it's different. That's spouse, fair. Yeah.
0: Right. Like, very different than when you have kids or you got to be a parent or do those things, right? So how do you, it's also very different when the things. paycheck doesn't have a comma and now
1: maybe it has two. Um, And, and that's another factor that, that goes into it. Um, So I don't have a good answer to that, to be totally honest with you. Uh You, you have to be able to first know yourself. And, and I think that the skill that, that I recommend to people when I'm teaching them in management, I think that this is probably the, the right answer, as I, I think through it a little more, is you have to be able to look at a situation that you were in, but take yourself out of it. And the best illustration I could see is what Marvel did. If you can think of the Doctor Strange movies, when he literally gets punched outside of his body and sees himself just floating there having a conversation, you need to be able to have that skill. And just look at your body as person A and the other person as person B and saying, if you knew nothing about the situation, except for what the one side wants, what the other side wants, is it reasonable and fair from your perspective? And I think that as long as you do that, and you routinely check in, you will get the habits of both yourself and those around you. And then recognizing what I do from my business side, that there's only really four, maybe arguably 16 at most personality types, they all fall into patterns about how things are going to work. Um, You know, and you just look at it realistically based upon their patterns, based upon your patterns. Is it going to blend together or is it not? You know, sometimes there's great combinations that no one thinks would work good but sometimes there's combinations that don't work for a reason. Like you don't put cement inside a taco. Like no one would ever want to have that, but you can put mayo inside of it and it's actually really good. You just might not have ever tried it. So that's the kind of thing that, that you need to realize. And just seeing your face, like you can intellectually see it instantly, that visual. And that's how I believe it has to be. You have to go through the patterns of what someone's going to be in their life. Because ultimately, we all fall back to what our patterns are, good, bad, or ugly. And that's just the way it is.
0: Appreciate that, Joe. Um, As we're wrapping up, what's the best way for the audience to be able to connect with you?
1: Yeah, so the best way is probably going to be to click on the website that I'll give you the link to that will be in the description of this, where I'm giving speeches to groups essentially about this type of topic. They're about sales, management, personal betterment. So. These types of topics you know, are, are what I discuss with people. You also discuss me if you ever want to learn more about the real estate side. I have a specific email that's monitored for that. That's 412homes at gmail.com. That's any real estate-based question goes there. And 412 is not original. That's Pittsburgh area code. So 412homes at gmail.com. As I mentioned, I do the podcast Father and Joe. That can be downloaded on any audio site every Tuesday. That's Father and Joe. And then Local Football Flavor for all the NFL fans out there is our YouTube-based show where we break down every fan base talks to us. We talk to them, see really what's going on with their teams that the national media tends to overlook.
0: That's awesome, Joe. Appreciate that. And uh, listeners, make sure you go check out Joe's uh, resources in the show notes. And uh, thank you for all your insights today, Joe.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to the prosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps towards your financial success.